0: Hi, I'm Julie Lucas, and welcome to the Darlington Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Charles Bamford, Darlington class of 1955, and owner of Rockwood Energy Search. Today, we'll be talking about life since Darlington, his career, and our Darlington Connects program.
1: Welcome to the Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia. Join us as we take a look inside and outside our classrooms and connect with students, teachers, alumni, and more.
0: Thank you for joining us today, Charles. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm fine, and it's great to uh, keep connected to, to Darlington. I have uh, many friends. Um, I haven't been back to the school, but one of my best friends, uh, John Hunter, who died last year, a Darlington graduate and a Georgia Tech graduate, and who was on the board at Darlington, has always kept me in the loop and that's been great.
0: Oh gosh, we love we love Mr. Hunter and we miss him dearly. I know you do as well. Yeah. Well, tell us where you are. Where are you calling in from today, Charles? I'm
1: calling in from New York City. <laughs> Good. And it's an interesting story how I got here, which I, I'll relate, but uh, I've lived here. I grew up in a small town in South Florida called Belle Glade and there's a story that goes with how I got to Darlington. And then I ended up moving to New York in 1961. And I married a New Jersey, married a Yankee, a New Jersey girl with lots of family in the area. So um, I go back to Florida frequently. My mother was grew up in Statesboro, Georgia, and I have lots of family there, too. So I'm and I'm a hybrid. My father was Canadian. My mother's. a. Deep South native, and so I'm a hybrid who's lost his uh, Southern accent.
0: Well, you sound great on the podcast, so uh, we're excited to have you. Um, I'd love to start off today about just learning a little bit more about your Darlington experience and how you ended up here and uh, just a little bit about your time
1: here. Okay, so so it all started with my going to a camp called Camp Sequoia. A camp with a purpose, or as we said then, a camp with a porpoise. Um, and Watson Birch, class of '55, was at this camp, and he and I became friends. So my mother, there was a parents' week visit, and my mother came up there, and she got to meet Watson, and and liked him, and and asked him where he went to school because she had begun to think about how to get me a better education than one can get in a town of 6,000 people in a farming community in South Florida. And he said, Darlington. She thought about that. And then Watson introduced my mother to his father, Dr. Birch, who was president of Shorter College in Rome. And and you could see the wheels turning. And she said, ah. if. Dr. Birch put his son in Darlington, that must be okay. So she got going and in fact, organized my coming to Darlington along with two other people from my community, Lee Braddock and Don Beverly, also class of 55. And so I came in right after Thanksgiving in 1952.
0: That's great. I, you know, these podcasts that we're enjoying doing are all about the connections and the Darlington connections and yours go way back. I love it. I love it. Well, tell me when you were at Darlington, what all were you involved in?
1: Well, I was in the glee club, which I'm not a bad singer, but I was also on the soccer team and I was terrible. I'm one of the people that we played Macaulay and Macaulay's, uh, Soccer pitch is on the top of a big hill. And the sides are slope, really. I fell off the field. <laughs> so they took me out. And anyway, so I, I, John Hunter was a much better soccer. He was the athlete in our class insofar as soccer was concerned, as I remember. And then uh, uh, there were others, of course.
0: Well, it's all about participation. And you gave it a try. And what oh, a story yeah. to be it, able yeah. to tell. <laughs> Right. Well, great. Well, uh, you know, one of the questions that we always like to ask is uh, who are alumni's favorite teacher or favorite teachers or coaches okay. were while they were here? I'd love mm-hmm. to hear who yours were.
1: Well, th- another story. I showed up at Darlington and Mr. Richard Yankee interviewed me, or as he did with all students. And he said, Bamford, I don't like your attitude. You're too smart, Alecky," And he was right. I was this smarty pants. And, and it, I as a result, he's one of my favorite teachers. And then <laughs> William Judd, who taught science, chemistry and physics and all the other stuff, it really became kind of a mentor to me. And it was he that when I was accepted to several schools as I approached graduation, he recommended Georgia Tech because it was less technical and it, I didn't have to I think he saw me this nerdy guy that if somebody didn't try to socialize me, I'd have a problem. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, he was great. And uh, so he got me, suggested I go to Georgia Tech. And uh, that worked out great.
0: Well, we have a lot of students every year go to Georgia Tech. So Darlington and Georgia Tech have had a long uh, history together. Do you still stay connected with Georgia Tech or with any yeah, friends from yeah. Georgia Tech? Yeah.
1: Because my classmate, I was a co-op student and we were all in a little different cycle. It took us five years to graduate. So we tended to know each other better as students and then as alumni and also my fraternity, Beta Theta Pi. So I, we all trade emails and my closest friend who lives in uh, Treeport, Louisiana, and I talk every month. So uh, I've kept a great group of people, great group of people. So, uh,
0: you know, hopefully we can continue to have people stay connected through the Darlington world. And I'd love to connect you with any Georgia Tech alumni, Darlington, Georgia Tech alumni, or or any students who are at Tech now.
1: Okay. Yeah, I met some of the younger. uh, I went to uh, alumni uh, meeting there in 19 in the. 2018, and it was great meeting the newest, the newest, uh, the newer graduates or graduates or undergraduates. And that was great fun, I would say. Enjoyed meeting them. They were really, and, and the thing about Georgia Tech, and I think about Darlington, neither are a place they tend to develop the, the, the more rounded personality. And so Georgia Tech has a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, who, like me, own their own businesses, and I think that's been great. And so you, for, you form uh, you form great relationships that way.
0: Absolutely. Well, I know that um, you wanted to tell us a little bit about your friendship with John Hunter.
1: Right. Well, John and I um, actually had lost touch, and we I went to a Georgia Tech alumni meeting in the 1980s, and John was there. Because he went to Georgia Tech, he 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 graduated a diff, uh, one year late, and so we became good friends again. And so, um, and, and I, in fact, I got to thinking about that, preparing for this podcast. And uh, so, anyway, he and I would get together, drink some white wine, and uh, he loved Mirepoix, and I like Mirepoix. So, uh, and then we'd find a nice seafood restaurant. Betsy would not come. I mean. Uh, Occasionally, Jeanette, my wife, and Betsy and I and John would all get together. It was more John and I lunching and and telling each other, out, you know, lies. Uh, but um, so one day, John and I were talking about, you know, our business successes, and he said, "Charlie, um, you know, we weren't really responsible for our success." I said, "John, what do you mean?" He said, "Well, we were born in 1937." And that was one of the years, the lowest birth rate years uh, in that 10 or 15 year period. And so as a result, 21 years later, when we got out of college, we had more choice. We were the smallest graduating class and the job market in 1961 was doing pretty well. And so we had more choices. So I got to thinking about that. And, and I think it's, it, it, despite our confidence and our abilities, I think it's external factors really that have a major, the most important impact on our career progression. So as a recruiter, I've thought about that and some other things, which I'd like to relate because uh, at some point Darlington graduates or children of Darlington graduates who after maybe two or three years in the job market are looking around for a new job or trying to think about their career, uh, it's important to realize what really makes things, what, what are the dominant uh, economic, the dominant factors? I mean, you can't choose when you were born and you can't manage the economic cycle that uh, that is there when you graduate, or in this case, the pandemic. Um, but you can decide a couple of things mainly um, what industry or or wave e- economic um, sort of trend you might want to connect yourself with so um and i do this all the time in in my recruiting practice because i now because I'm near retirement spend more time helping people think about the <laughs> their search strategically than necessarily presenting them opportunities. But, um, and and this is largely about corporate, corporate, the corporate, the business world, but it also applies to medicine and education. You start with having a good education and communication skills and willingness to work hard and willingness to engage with others. But I caught the computer technology wave. And it, I got it. Only got to that after about three years after graduation. So I was a chemie major at Georgia Tech, and I went to a, and I was the managing editor of the of the Georgia Tech Engineer Magazine, which was the monthly magazine. So I had this inherent interest in publishing, and I went to a seminar at Penn State, and um, there I met the recruiter from McGraw-Hill, and Buck, I can't remember his last name, and I talked him into letting me come from Penn State to New York to meet the editors of the magazine called Chemical Engineering. Since I had a chemical engineering degree and I had already been in public, he said, well, that makes sense. So um, I got there and got on well with them, and so that got me a job offer that after I was in the army for six months, I could take, and which I did. So I started there in 1961. Um, I covered a lot of things, but one of the big things then was the uh, computer control of chemical plants. So I was kind of interested in that, but I don't. Know, it didn't seem to have the dramatic kind of oomph that I was looking for. So anyway, I left. McGraw Hill and went to Shell into the market research department, where I found the next most important thing after industry was a great mentor. And my manager of the market research department was great, helped push me in different parts of the company. But I was still looking for something that was a little bit more computer driven. So um, after some search work or some market research, I found timesharing, which was the precursor to the internet. It was a network. And Computer Sciences Corporation in El Segundo, California had a new division called Infinet, which sold timesharing, which means you could sit at a terminal and you could get access to what was then called AutoTab, now called Excel, and have real you know have personal access to a computer so i joined them as a salesman i took this huge i think a 40 percent salary cut uh, and went to work for them in new york city calling on oil companies and chemical companies because that's what i understood selling those products that related to those businesses and i had a great time and it was really It was a wacky, funny business with all these characters that we had recruited from IBM and other places because no one had ever sold this stuff, really. And so um, I ended up uh, having clients like Citibank, uh, which was then pioneering the the automated teller machine. And uh, I wasn't involved in that, but this was another company, a finance company that was really... Doing great stuff in technology. So, um, after a few years, um, the the VP of marketing um, and I became friends. So he he got me he was my mentor and he got me moved to Boston as manager of the Boston Infinite office, and then he brought me to El Segundo, California, as his director, his chief of staff, in effect. So we had a great time John Sullivan. He was a fabulous salesman, terrible administrator, but that was my job. Um, then uh, he said, Charles, you're going to have to. It was, he was an IBM guy and everybody moved around. He said, Charles, it's time for you to move on. You can go to New York. You can go to San Francisco and you go to Washington. So I I'd go home and I talk to my wife. She says, I don't know where you're going, but I'm going to New York. I'm sorry. And so anyway. I I uh, love that. (laughs) She was never in doubt. Um, So anyway, so we moved back to New York and I became the branch manager locally of, of the Infinite Group. And then I got recruited by Standard Poor's, which was trying to convert from a paper world into a technology driven world. And I had, I understood finance because I'd called on businesses. I understood computers. So um, I went there as VP of uh, marketing and ran the sales force and did a lot of things. And then that came to an end. And so then I went to another organization that was in the insurance business or insurance business, I should say, right? And, uh, They were selling corporate owned policies to big companies and they needed somebody to run their computer operations and who understood salespeople. So I did that. So, um, really a great, fun experience, a lot of crazy salespeople, but they had big clients. We had, you know, we had JP Morgan, we had Citibank, we had uh, Bank Irving Trust, which became part of another bank. So, anyway, big companies they made a lot of money. They had a lot of fun, but, uh, they wouldn't give me any part of the business. And I knew that when the board changed, I turned. So I went out on my own with another member of the team to start a recruiting company. And, um, we recruited secretaries, we recruited admin people, but I was kind of looking for a theme. And so I started calling around on, um, uh, companies in the Connecticut area, because that was based in Stamford, Connecticut. And I found a company called Fibro, which was part of Solomon Brothers. And they were the premier commodity trading company in, in the world, maybe, but certainly in the United States. And they were looking for people who understood how to, to model fancy commodity contracts using sophisticated computer programs. So I understood this. So I went out and I found on this person and he did a great job for them. So I started then recruiting what I call rocket scientists, people who had PhD, master's degree, PhDs in computer science, who could work on Wall Street, who could, knew what a derivatives was, derivative was. So that then got me into um, the world of trading. And so I did that. And then when energy trading came along, because that was when the futures contracts were launched on the New York Mercantile Exchange. So then we went from being rocket scientists then to finding traders who could trade options, which are highly mathematical. Um, And so uh, that then led to our doing this for the natural gas business, traders, then to power business, and so in effect, we—I've had to reinvent myself and our business every five years.
0: Well, Charles, I'll—I'll I'll tell you, I'm sitting here and listening to us, and you've been a writer, a salesman, you've been in technology, you've been in management, you've been in recruiting and trading, you. You have, you have seen and done it all.
1: <laughs> well, it, I, I'm thinking about that. The answer is no, but I've done what I wanted.
0: That's great. Because That's, everybody
1: it, in my family is really hard-headed, <laughs> <laughs> which accounts for my lack of success in major corporations at the top, because I kept wanting to do the right thing always, which is not a good idea. But I had a lot of fun, and... And it turned out that my early market research experience in finding that job at, at Infinite has helped me be realistic about where the world is going. And so find, and you know, once you find a new niche, then you frequently can bring some of the people you knew from the old niche to the new one. So I was looking for power traders. Well, guess what? There weren't any power traders at that time in 1995, so I found natural gas traders who could do power trading. So there has been a benefit to my latching on to this uh, technology thing. Um, The other thing about it, in addition to choosing an industry, is that people should think about where they want to live and work. Um, they think they do, but they don't necessarily connect that to the industry. And another story I might relate is I was talking to this guy in Houston in, uh, around 2000 and I said, well, why do you like working in Houston, Texas? And Houston, Texas was, is still a hugely commercial city. He said, well, he says, I can change jobs without changing where I park my car. And it was great because at that time, there were all these different companies getting started. And and he got it right. He was happily, he lived out near Rice in this lovely house. He short drive downtown, but more importantly, he was in a place where his industry, the world of energy was growing and things were happening. And so he didn't have to uproot his family. He didn't have to try to go home and convince his spouse that, yeah, I need to move to Atlanta. And so it is one of the things you begin to understand is that the industries have regional characteristics. So if you work in the oil business, or you want to work in the oil business, you're going to have to be in Texas. If you work in the uh, editorial business, New York is a pretty good spot because a lot of the publishing houses were here. Um, If you want to... and, And so some of these jobs are... Uh, For example, finance, Atlanta, Charlotte has a huge financial center now. So if you're in finance work, and my cousin is a banker for B of A in Atlanta. So she's never had to move from Atlanta to find a new job. She moved from South Florida to Atlanta and, I don't know, 30 years ago. And she's been able to stay there without moving, you know, her home. So, um, Some industries like software look as if they're transportable anyplace. But if you're, for example, in a computer, uh, let's see, search like Google, then most of the Google and Google spinoff people are all in Palo Alto. So you need to think about that. So um, what happens after you've been in... After you're out of undergraduate school, about three years, begin to think about all this. So I would encourage people to spend the time to look for industries. And it could be digital advertising, which is hot, or it could be uh, the clean energy world, which is what I now specialize in, which is solar and uh, energy storage. And um, get to know about it and where the companies are. And, And when you do that, um, it begins to inform your decision about where they are. And then you look for a job in that context. Because if you don't, you just get on the internet and you're looking at all these jobs and the internet is not very good as far as helping you stay organized. It's it's easy to submit a resume, but it's, it, it diverts you frequently from any strategic view you have about where you can find a job. And also when you under, begin to understand an industry and maybe get your first job in it, say after three years in a job, your interviewing skills are better and you also better make a better connection with the people who interview you. And you also get referrals because in an industry, managers move from firm to firm. So if you work for manager In company A and he or she moves to company B, he may call you up and want to recruit you. So there is this connection and and, uh, world that's associated with choosing sectors that I think is uh, strategically important. So what I'm doing now is I'm getting near retirement because I'm uh, selling my home and going to retire completely in 2022 is, and I've started it already, is a website, webinar-based service uh, called Clean Energy Careers. And it's a publishing kind of approach, which is, you know, back to my roots in a way. And I've always enjoyed writing, and this is fun. And one of my family members is helping me with it. And so the notion is that I'm trying to package career advice choosing sectors, talking about the pieces of the clean energy business, which could be electric vehicles, which could be solar storage, which could be um, clean energy um, policy as done by a city or state. There, There are all these great jobs, but it's a messy business. And so it's hard to understand, and I hope to, by communicating about it, help people find an avenue to uh get into that sector so uh and it's we've been going uh for about six months now we don't have we have very few subscribers but i'm having a lot of fun well
0: charles you have so much great advice to share and i love that you've you've started this website we will definitely share this with those in our community and it you have so much great advice for things other than just clean energy and in that career sector if we have people in our community who would like to connect with you would you be willing to connect with them via email or phone sure
1: sure and we we might have to organize it a little bit but that's fine because uh, but you're organized and and if i know their interest and because the approach i've developed is works regardless of your sector. I happen to know more, a lot more about the energy business, but uh, uh, be more than delighted.
0: Well, we are very grateful for you. We, we appreciate everything that you do for the school. You, you always open your door for us when we come to New York, and we love visiting with you. We hope to be there again very soon. And just everything that you support for the school, um, especially here, I think that, uh, there might be an opportunity too to maybe talk with our students at yeah. some point. I think that would be great. Um, and then definitely connecting you with any of our Georgia tech grads and our, uh, any of our students who are interested in going to tech.
1: I can't remember the person's name, but my cousin came to, from Atlanta, came to New York with one of her good friends. And so I met him at the museum, uh, Metropolitan Museum for lunch. And I so and I had on my Georgia Tech cap. Well, she comes, my cousin and her friend come in, and then her friend says, "Well, my son went to Darlington, and you went to Georgia Tech." And she had knew Sam Moss because Sam Moss had helped put her son back on the right track. And it's probably good that I don't remember the names here. But because he might find out about this, but his mother was so pleased that he that Sam helped him. And here I was talking to her and it was just a great kind of a homecoming experience without having to be on the Darlington campus.
0: Oh, that's a, Those are the stories that we love to hear. So the Darlington Connections happen all over the world all the time, regardless of uh, the Advancement Office being involved. So what we want to do is we want to be able to tell those stories and we want to yeah. be able to share that and really let those in our community know that there is this great community out there who is willing to help them with anything they need at any time. And Charles, you are wonderful to be able to offer that and we are so grateful i love hearing about your career it's absolutely amazing and um I'm well, my just wife so- said
1: kept saying why do you have to keep changing jobs <laughs> i bet <laughs> uh, but you know what can i tell you
0: well, I, I can only imagine some really great stories that you have in, in all of these careers with unique personalities that you met along the way. So that might have to be our next podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another story was that when I was trying to decide which major I should have at Georgia Tech, I looked at the salaries and I said, OK, chemical engineering pays $650 a month. Electrical engineering pays 600 I like chemistry, so I chose chemical engineering. What I didn't understand was that chemical engineers got to work in places like Plaquemine, Louisiana, which is up the river from New Orleans. It is nowhere, and electrical engineers got to work in Palo Alto, California. So I said, "Okay, I understand." But you know, there's all these little things, hints you miss when you go along.
0: But that's perfect. That's exactly what you were uh, recommending is for those who were looking to. For their first job or their next job, you need to find where those jobs are and determine yep, if yep, that's where yep. you want to live, California Absolutely. or small right. towns. Yeah. Well, this is great. Well, I'd love to um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our community before we before we say goodbye today?
1: The job market has changed and it does give the appearance as being efficient, but it's not. It's thousands, millions of resumes all being thrown around and So unless you know where you're going, you're going to get distracted. And um, in in the case of the clean energy business, many of the companies are small. The average solar company has less than 55 people. But these are run by some sophisticated entrepreneurs who'd worked for larger companies in the past. Well, these little companies aren't easy to find. And if you advertise, you have to evaluate them somehow. So unless you have some idea. So the job market is not as friendly as it was when John and I entered the workforce and we went to work for a big company where people took care of you and guided you. So it's hard to find a mentor, et cetera. But uh, that's about it. Well, what you were
0: doing with your website and by offering to meet and talk with those in our community is um, a great way to end this on because that's a positive light in my eyes is because it's so difficult because it's so watered down now uh with the online resumes and online job sites and and those connections and the personal stories and connections can be what can help someone rise above in that
1: yeah, you really need you need two kinds of people to help you get a different job you need a person who can tell you where you fit in other words does your background fit this kind of job in this industry and the other is you need a sponsor someone to introduce you to not to hr but to the decision maker so those are best alumni like the Darlington connection or friends of you or your parents someone who can get you who can hand your resume or your letter to the person who's actually making the hiring decision.
0: Well, Charles, I can't thank you enough. This has been wonderful. And uh, I, I think it, you, you offer a lot of really great advice to those out there. And we appreciate you telling us your story right. today.
1: And thank you for being so organized and setting this up.
0: We're glad that you tuned in to this episode of the Darlington Podcast. Tune in each week wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. You can check out today's show notes at www.DarlingtonSchool.org podcast. If you have any questions about today's program or ideas for a future episode, send an email to communications at DarlingtonSchool.org.
1: The Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, is a collaboration between the communication, advancement, and IT teams, and the intro music is student-produced. See show notes and hear more episodes at www.darlingtonschool.org/podcast.